Turn in your Bibles. We're back at it. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I love uh, just a good old boring week at church. Uh, And uh, nothing's boring about the book of Romans, but I'm glad to be back at it uh, after a while um, of us uh, being away from it since about November. Uh, I would like to read to you this morning uh, from Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 14, actually starting in verse 11. Um, If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to uh, read for you. God's word says this, for the the scripture says, uh, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Uh, For the same Lord is Lord of all, uh, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then uh, will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how uh, are, are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. Uh, With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I I have been found by those who did not seek me, and I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Verse 21, "But but of Israel he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would help us to accept it. Uh, We ask that you would grant repentance, obedience, faith, and belief even this morning. God, do your work in us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, as we look at this, I just want to review Uh, verses 11 through 13. It was November when I last preached that. And so I know most of you just remember that message like perfect. Um, You know, it's always like, if you don't, uh, don't tell me. I'd just rather live in ignorant bliss as a pastor. But uh, those, those first few verses I read in verses 11 through 13, it, it says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And uh, that's a repeat. That he's mentioned that a few different times. This whole idea of shame or, or not being put to shame. And why does he say that? It's because sinners are guilty. You with me? Sinners are guilty like you and me. And without which, without, without forgiveness, 
uh, there will be eternal shame. And you say, well, how does that work? And I said, I'll tell you how it works, is that even if you don't feel the guilt and shame today, which I assume we do, uh, when we go to stand before our maker, it will be revealed to us clearly in light of his holiness that we are sinners, guilty, guilty, and our guilt brings about shame and eternal punishment. And so Paul, as he's going over this, he keeps coming back to this idea that the one who believes in Jesus, believes in him, will not be put to shame. And this should be rejoicing for us. And once again, in verse 12, he says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Uh, for, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Uh, this is a, a familiar theme. We went over this last week, where over and over again, there's the Jews as his primary audience for his saving gospel, but not just them, Jews, but Gentiles as well, everybody else, everybody else. And we're going to see that in this passage, that God is the God of all, and that uh, as we call on him, we receive equal placement into his family because of the gospel. And then in verse 13, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's where we ended up in, like I said, in November, which brings us to verse 14. Today is a day we're going to look at really God's process of salvation, how he does it. And uh, as we understand this, we're going to, I want you to consider your response to his gospel message, your response to his gospel message. The first point this morning is a gospel for everyone. Verse 14, if you look down at it. Verse 14 says this. Um, and it's a, it's a series of questions he's going to go through. And these questions are meant to lead us down a path of what he is doing. Okay, And so as you think about what it is for someone to come to faith, that's what he's talking about here. And so he's asking questions which cause us to understand and think about the process. He says, he just said, um, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And he, if you think of the calling on the name of the Lord as reaching out for God and responding to him, he says, why will they do that or how will they do that if they have not believed? And the answer is, if they have not believed, they will not call on him. They will not call on him. If they haven't believed the message, there will be no sense of stepping out and calling upon the name of the Lord in need, even as we have sung, Lord, I need you. You know, if you, if you don't believe the message, you won't take that step to call on him. That's the first question is, you know, how, how would they call on him if they don't believe? He asks another question, middle of verse 14, and, and, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Okay, 
And he, what he's doing is taking steps back. He's peeling the onion and saying, let me explain where this goes in the center. I, I think it's interesting that uh, most of us uh, don't really think about this process, but yet it's there uh, for us to understand. <coughs> Thank you. I feel so wanted and loved as like, you respond like that. Um, uh, as he goes, he says, if you don't know, if you haven't heard the message, you won't believe. And that's an obvious, logical piece to that. It's that if they haven't heard the message, they won't respond to the message and in, or agree with the message and then respond in faith or in calling upon him. What a great uh, gospel missions type verse that says they got to know the message they had to have heard the message and so as as we think about this obviously you need to hear the message one more question or I think two more questions and how will they hear without someone preaching how will they hear without someone preaching now um I get to preach here most every week here at Bear Valley Church. I get to preach. Uh, I, some have even said, you know, that I'm a preacher. They refer to me, and, you know, depending on what part of the country you come from, you might even call me that. Ah, there's the preacher. Um, and, but, and I want to tell you that if you have people in your life that don't know the gospel, I would love it. I would love it if you would drag them in here Sunday morning that I would be able to preach God's word that they might hear. I would love it. I would love it. And if you need to get physical with them, let's do it, okay? Let's do it, okay? I would love that. I would love that. That said, that's not what I think this is talking about. This idea of preaching here in this passage, I believe he's using it in a sense of a herald, a, a, a man or a woman with a message. A, a, a herald is someone who has been given a message to go and to share. It, it's really this picture of uh, uh, go and tell them this. Go, I'm a runner. I'm, I'm someone, you know, the Pony Express or even getting so, you know, Today, as the postman or the UPS man, I got you, I see you back there, um, or the FedEx guy or whatever, that idea that they're bringing. And, and, you know, let's be honest. If you have something great in the mail, a great package or whatever, you get excited when the brown truck rolls up into your driveway, don't you? You love it. You love it. And the picture here is this. The picture here is this. It's not about the person, but it's that they've been given a message. They're a herald. They, 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 it's not their own message. They didn't go figure it out or, or make it up. It's that they have a message. They've been given a message that they might proclaim it. They might share it. Which gives us one more question in this line of questioning that shows the plan of God. He says in verse 15, 
He says, and how, are they, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? Takes that one step back and he says, there's one who grants the message and says, go, go. Share this message, share my message, go and share it. This is the picture, and, 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 and he concludes this, this line of questioning, if you will, these questions, these rhetorical questions that are meant to draw out the whole process of how someone would come to faith. Um, he, he says these things, and then, then he says this. In the middle of verse 15, he says, As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, um, when he says this good news, and this is connected to the book of Isaiah and other places as well, but Isaiah 52, verse 7, I believe it is, um, this idea of good news. And and as they were connecting this idea of the the messenger or the feet of the messenger coming, they were thinking about God's people being delivered. And, and God's people knew about being delivered. They were, they were stuck under the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And, and it was long and hard. And there was this picture of, of God's people being under wicked, uh, pagan, uh, not followers of God, that they were persecuted by them. And so there was this desire. They knew things weren't right. And they say, boy, we, we long for the deliverance of the Lord. We long for it. And so the idea of that being good news and now connecting it with the feet of the ones who bring this good news. Now, if I can uh, direct you to the human body and the beauty of the human body. And, and you, you, you might have studied the human body. Most of you, you have a human body. Um, and, and when you think of the beautiful parts of the body, oh, the feet. Oh, the feet. And if you could connect this in your mind, it's very important because I think it, it matters that if feet are ugly today, they were 3, 3X, 4X, 5X ugly in biblical times. Why? It's like gardening in flip-flops, Right? And your feet get sweaty and, you know, there's this thing. And and the the only beauty of that is what they are doing. They are what they're doing. And that's the picture here. The beautiful feet, they're beautiful because they're walking and bringing about the beautiful message. The beautiful message of deliverance and salvation. The good news of Jesus Christ. I share that with you, and I just say, what a powerful thing it is that we would have the good news message. This section right here unpacks for us the process that God does, and I'd say it this way. He changes a life, and then he charges that same life that he has changed with that same message to take it to other lost people. And... I think that that's a fascinating thing, isn't it? What's the best way to market? What's the best way to market? You marketing business types out there. What's the best way? Uh, 
It's obvious. It's obvious. The best way to market is, is to send junk to people to their house to fill their mailboxes, right? Some of you have been in these businesses before, and forgive me if I say some words that like remind you and give you flashbacks, but it just becomes a number game after a while, right? And the idea is, if they send you enough junk in the mail, they'll find some suckers that will take them up on it, and that's the way marketing goes. Or emails. Or, or the, the, the idea that, that you would fill someone, the internet, you know. The internet's the best way to market. And I want to tell you, God said with my most precious message, the message of my son, the best way I'm going to share this message is from the people that have already been changed by the gospel. I'm going to charge them with that same message to go and to share it with others. And in so doing, I'll give give purpose to their lives that, that others might know. This is the way this goes. And I want to tell you that, that just you know, taking a step back and maybe being a little bit more practical, that's why God has us here. That's why God has us here. If you have kids and grandkids, you know what? That's your responsibility to tell them. To tell them. To, to, to be the ones to tell them this good news message. And you can tell it like this. It's really great. God did a work in my life when I was lost and he he changed my life and he can do that for you too. He can do that for you too. That's what this process is. It's the changes of life and then he uh, goes and sends us as heralds to one another. This is a very powerful section that um, I want to say the next two sections are kind of discouraging. I just wanted to warn you about that because those of you who love logic and love arguing, how many of you love arguing? The kids were way in when I started talking about arguing, but how many of you as adults like to argue quite a bit? Let's have some confessions here. Come on now. Uh, No pointing, no pointing. Uh, You know, uh, um, you think about that, and you think log- most people who like to argue, they, they think about logic, right? They say, well, if I'm logical enough, you have to say yes. You have to say yes. And so even as these questions logically put the places, pieces in place of what God is doing into sharing his gospel, I, I want to tell you this, that what's interesting about that is even though all the pieces are in place, the logic is there, the, the message is clear, still people reject. Still people reject. And so uh, this first, you know, this next point I have for you is the gospel offer disregarded. In verse 16 it says, uh, but, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. They have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, bless you, um, for Isaiah says, Lord, who, ha, uh, who has believed what he has heard from us? And the picture here is this. He says clearly in verse 16, and then there's a, a, a connection back to the book of Isaiah where the people had shared the message. The message had been shared, and it's like, God, why, why haven't they responded? Well, where is it? 
It's interesting to me that in verse 16, he, he starts off saying that not all have obeyed the gospel. There's a few different words in here that this passage uses for uh, salvation. Belief, faith, and now obedience. Obedience. And I want to tell you, sometimes we disconnect the three, right? Oh, I, I believe in Jesus, but I don't trust him. I, I believe in Jesus. I have faith in him. I, I have faith. I, I, I trust him. I just don't obey him. I just do my own thing. I, I want to tell you that uh, it, it's all in need of grace, but know this. That if you're unwilling to obey Christ, obey the word of God, you have not accepted the gospel. Because the gospel is meant to be obeyed. Obeyed. That to become a believer, a follower, a, a man of faith, a woman of faith is to obey what Christ has said in his word. It's believing the good news message of Jesus that we would respond in faith to him in obedience. And there's this sad thing is that not all have believed. It's not that uh, the herald, you know, there's a sense as ones who have been changed by the gospel, when we share the gospel, we're like, okay. Is there any questions you have? And they're like, no, no, I understand. They said, so you want to trust in Jesus? No. What? Are you kidding me? You'd rather go to hell and die in your sins and be guilty and shame forever? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But it's a rejection of the gospel. Uh, the good news rejected, the herald's message pushed away. Now, uh, we, we come to uh, passages it's talking about the rejection of the gospel, and then in verse 17, some, some uh, scholars think that verse 17 is really a, a summation of verse, the first 16 verses of this chapter, and it may be. But, but as I, I look at this verse 17 and I look at what he's already said about his gospel plan and now the gospel being disregarded, I, I see verse 17 is God giving us a picture of how does all this work? How does all this work? And, and I hope you think about that. How does this work? How does the sharing of the gospel the changing of one life and then becoming a herald and then sharing the message. How does God really change someone? We talked about it earlier from Hebrews. And, and, and I want to say that this is a verse, I think, that really is a ministry verse. And how do we do church? How do we work with God in the areas that he has called us to work? And what is that? Well, maybe it's a adult Bible study that you're a part of. Maybe it's me preaching. Maybe you teach uh, second grade Sunday school. And if you do, God bless you for doing that. What a great opportunity. What a hard ministry sometimes. Those kids are squirrely, you know. 
undisciplined, just like their parents. Um, just kidding. This is joking. It's Sunday morning. Relax, you know, lighten up. Um, but, but this is how ministry works. This is, this is the process that we're going through. And this goes back to why we're a Bible church, okay? How does one attain or gain or become having this saving faith? Well, look at it. Verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so what is very important for us to remember is that we want everyone to hear the message clearly. That they would hear. And what do we want them to hear? The word of Christ. Other translations say word of the Lord. We struggle with this. And I think what Paul is doing here, he's taking what other passages, even the Hebrews passage, say the word of God, word of God, and now he is focusing the word of God into the person of Christ, the message of the gospel. And so what I want you to know is this. What we know about Jesus is found in his word. What we know about him. And I, I want to encourage you, as you get together, as you are heralds, as you are people that are desiring to share the saving message of Jesus, know this. It better be the Bible. Better be the Bible. I, I think so often we think, uh, you know, we have a great story. Or we say, you know, what, what do you know about Jesus? You say, oh, I'll tell you, you know, I was... I, you know, I had this bad dream in the night and I got up and right before sunset and then there was this sunrise that came up and I looked at that sunrise and I looked at it and I thought to myself, I now know about Jesus and the reality of who he is. And I want to say, no, you saw the sunset. It could mean all kinds of different things. But to know for certain from the word of God, that this is what they need. And what happens is this. That is how someone understands and knows and how they hear and how they come to saving faith is to know what God has said about himself, his son, his plan, and redemption in his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I want to tell you, this is, this is a, a, a ministry philosophy here. Okay, what is it? That we would have saving faith, that we would know Christ, and that we would continue to grow in our faith as we know more about him and as we're reminded about him. This is what we're doing here at Bear Valley Church. And in the midst of hearing the good news of the gospel... And in the midst of even hearing of others who reject, he says, this is how it works. This is how faith comes to a person. It's through hearing and hearing about what the word of Christ, the message of Jesus. This is why uh, we try to do the things the way we do. And we do them imperfectly, for sure. Okay? We have much to learn. Which brings us now to verse 18. Not just the gospel offer disregarded, but now the gospel offer rejected. 
And, and there's question here. Paul is working this through in his own mind as probably primarily he's thinking through those Jews, but also thinking through others that may have rejected as well. But primarily the Jews, he says this, uh, verse 18, but, but I ask, have they not heard? Once again, it, for those of us who have trusted in Christ, it's hard for us to get through our, our skull, right? It's hard for us. Why? Why is it hard for us? Well, uh, because God's already changed our life and we go, man, it just seems like falling off a log that you too. But as we do this, he says, did you not hear the message? Yeah, I heard it. I just rejected it. Yes, they had heard. They had heard the message, but they hadn't accepted the message. He says, uh, uh, their, their voice has gone out uh, to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. And the picture here is this, that heralds are continuing to do their, their message, do their job of, of sharing both to family and neighbors and traveling. And this is the herald's message. And it is, the word of God is, the message of Jesus is going out. But even in some going out, it's they hear it and reject it. Verse 19. But I ask, did Israel not understand? No, they heard and they understood. In fact, sometimes the understanding is the part that is the sticking point, right? I heard the message and I realize that what you're saying is that Jesus is Lord over all and I don't want anybody to be Lord over me. You see, as he goes on, he says, yes. Uh, Did Israel not understand? And and this is the response. It's a quote from Deuteronomy, from Moses. It says, I will make you you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. And then connected with that verse 20 from Isaiah. Um, Then Isaiah is so bold to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. And this picture here is this, that God in the rejection of his people, the Jews, continued to go past the Jews and to other nations. And that, I know that word jealousy kind of, throws us for a loop there, that God would make them jealous. And, and I want to I be real clear with you. I was sharing with someone in between services. They were brokenhearted about their child. And some of you are brokenhearted about your children right now. And he was telling me about how, how difficult you know, stuff was. And, and I just encouraged him with this. I said, you don't want your child to succeed without Jesus. You know, there, there's a sense of... Uh, uh, hollow agitation that comes from not walking with Jesus. And I want to say that it's not that you don't want them to to succeed, but the idea of success without Jesus is success for themselves and and, and following after themselves and, and not caring about the one who is the creator, the savior, the Lord, the only one, the only one who can save them from their sins. And so there's this picture here that God, even in his grace, went, went at a grace for the Jews, 
showed his kindness to others that they might see. What, what should be the response of the Jews when they saw him uh, allowing other people from other nations and people who didn't seek him? What, what should they have said? I can't stand those people. No, they should have said, the kindness of the Lord. The kindness of the Lord, and I rejected it. I should repent, and I should acknowledge that God who loved me so much called me, that I should follow him as well. This is the, uh, the problem uh, that he brings about in the rejection. Why it makes it worse is that when you understand, when you know, and you still choose to stiff-arm God, Verse 21, and this kind of concludes this this thought for him. He says, but of Israel, once again from uh, the book of Isaiah, uh, but, but of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Do you see the picture? Now, let me be honest, um, you know, most of us uh, don't even do this for our own kids. Um, when our kids push us away, we take a step back and go, we'll see how this works out, right? Yeah, hope you fail. <laughs> um, we, we have this like, if they don't want my help, if they don't want what I have to offer, let's see, go ahead, try it. Try it on your own. And, and then we try to highlight it, right? Take pictures. Now I'm going to get this on video so you can watch it over and over again, right? We, we, we have this kind of attitude. And I want to tell you, the attitude of God is this, that he holds out his hand. I, I thought it was interesting that it says his hands, not just a hand. It's not just, you know, like this, but he's like, I'm here. I'm here. I, I desire you. And who does he hold out these hands to? How does he describe them? To a disobedient and contrary people. I want to tell you that God is a gracious God, desiring, wanting, even rebellious people to come to him. He he, he desires. And and, and I want to say this, that that might be you this morning. I don't know where you're at. Um that you may have heard the message and even understood it to some degree, but the idea of saying, no, I don't want it. I want to tell you that God is a gracious God who holds out his hands and says, I want you. I want you. Faith, belief, repentance, obedience. I want you. And I know that word obedience hangs, hangs us up, but I want to tell you, obedience is good for you. It's good for me. Right? Um, is it good for us when we exchange the bad ideas for the ones that truly work and are good for us? Of course it is. And God knows and loves us best. So God holds out his hand. Um, he holds out his hand that they would have his hand, that they would have his grace. I want to recap uh, our message this morning and very simply, very simply. The first one is this. Just hear the gospel. Hear the gospel. I, I hope that all of you understand it here this morning. And, and chances are maybe, I don't know, maybe you have heard the gospel before and you heard the message. But the idea here is not just like this, right? It's that hearing and heeding and doing and 
you know, accepting. So hear the gospel for yourself. I, I want to encourage you too. Many of you are parents here today. And, and, and you cannot lead your kids to places you haven't been. I, I, I want you to know that uh, it's really hard to convince your kids to trust in Jesus when you haven't. And I want to tell you, you and your kids need Jesus. So hear the gospel. Secondly, I want to encourage you, share the gospel. Have your eyes wide open. Realize that that message, that message was not a personal message just for you. It was meant to go on. It was meant to continue on. Uh, It's a good news message that's meant to to go on. This is God's method. He, you, and I are his method. And then lastly, just to ask this question. What will you do with the outstretched hands of the Lord? What will you do with it? You think about your life and who you are as God extends his hands to you. Are you going to do this? I got it. Uh, I'll do it by myself. I got better ideas. I'll come to you if I'm really in, in trouble, okay? But until then, I got it. I got it. I want to tell you, that's what God's people did. They pushed him away. They said, I, I don't need you. I don't need you. What will you do with the outstretched hands of the Lord? God, I thank you uh, for your message, your good news message. Uh, good news for sinful people. <laughs> good news that uh, we will not be stuck in captivity. That there's a way out. That by believing in Jesus, placing our faith in him, to obeying, that we can have eternal life. That if we call upon the name of the Lord, we will be saved. God, I do ask that you would use this day and this word uh, from you that it would fit us for heaven, that it give us confidence, uh, not in ourselves, not in what we've done, not in our country, not in our situation or our finances, but that we would be confident that we will never be put to shame because of what Christ has done. God, thank you for your church. Glorify yourself in us, we pray. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.